Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock here on. A Monday, a Monday after a basketball-filled weekend uh, in Louisville and at the um, the Yum Center uh, this weekend. Luke, how's everything going, buddy? You doing all right? I'm doing good. Just trying to get this mic together, but I'm I can doing hear great. It, yeah. it was uh, a really fun weekend uh, with the ACC Network, getting up there on Friday to do PM, and then a great slate of games on Saturday. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I did uh, got the um, another one of these kind of jarring reminders that people will get on Al Gore's internet and say any old thing they want to. Uh, with people killing you for wearing Michael Jordan stuff uh, on the ACC network over the weekend, and I just couldn't help but think to myself, like, every single one of you people giving Luke any bit of a hard time at all would do all of that and try to keep all of that stuff afterwards, too. It was ridiculous. <laughs> well, the uh, the jersey, I, I had an assist from a buddy in town, Mr. Mitzloff, uh, who owns Goodwood Brewing. His son oh, yeah. is uh, junior at Auburn and uh, did not think I was going to go fit in a uh, retro jersey going uh back in his closet but uh miles uh definitely did me a solid uh, by let me use the jersey but man it was two three february 3rd the year 23 we had michael jordan day and shout out to brian ives started with research now as a producer with the acc network he kind of started that idea of you know noticing that we would be there on saturday saw the date he is a carolina grad and he hits me with some of the most unbelievable carolina stats historical wise that that I've ever seen he just pulls these facts he's like Kelly Dickey really for for the cards but he started that idea and then the whole ESPN crew everybody you know from Stephen A. Smith down uh, decided to to preach about Michael Jordan that day I got to give my five-ish favorite Jays ever and I did put the jersey on man it's Carolina Duke weekend it's a huge game sitting up there with a, a Carolina grad doing it and then ultimately you know he is the GOAT he is the greatest of all time you're allowed to do that for him right I don't disagree with you one bit. I would have done all uh, of that as well. I do think it's funny, since you mentioned Brian Ives really quick, and then I'll let you finish. It is fun uh, to realize, or or to, I guess, just be aware that because of the internet uh, and modern technology, you kind of learn there's a Kelly Dickey everywhere. Yeah, there really is. Every school, every fan base has a Kelly Dickey. We have Kelly Dickey here. Corey Price with Kentucky. Brian Ives with North Carolina. They're everywhere. Yeah, and he he's one of those that just pulls these stats where it's like, where did you get that from? 
But I guess if you're going to be a researcher, you know, just being on the shows, you get hit with like the craziest stuff. You know, I was trying to look up who the most impactful transfer was. So when you're on air and, and you know a segment's coming and, and you kind of get off, especially in a three-hour show that's like this, you know, ACCPM sure. is more – it's a lot more of a conversation than it is doing half times where you're kind of hitting the, the quick stuff. So when you're you're in the three-hour show, I'm asking research, hey, I need you to compare Alondez Williams up to this point last season. He won player of the year in the ACC with Tyree Appleby, the guard from Wake Forest from this year, and give me those numbers real quick for assists and points. And so he goes and gets that in like two minutes, builds the whole graphic. So it looks like they could put it up on the show if they wanted to use it and gets it back to me. I mean, these guys get it done quick. And and just to go on that point, Tyree Appleby is averaging 18 points and six assists right now. Another transfer guard for Steve Forbes. The player of the year, Alondez Williams, was averaging 18 and a half and 5.6 assists. So his numbers, assist-wise, are better, and he's right there with points. Uh, I mean, he's not really getting talked about very often. Some of these transfers, Blake Henson for Pitt, been incredibly impactful. But I do have, you want to get into it real quick, the stats from UNC Duke that they give pretty in-depth, but when you line up where UNC was last year, we kept talking about the Pittsburgh loss and how that kind of motivated them through the season, right? But you go through 22 games last season and 22 games this season. All right, check this out. Win-loss record, they were 16-6 and six last year, 15-7 and seven this year. Total points, the exact same, 1,728 in the two wow. seasons. Obviously, points per game is the same because we got uh, 22 games. Points allowed within six points of each other, 1,584 last year, 1,578 this year. And then what's the other crazy one? Uh, field goal percentage and opponent three-point percentage are the exact same in those two years. And then I'll, I'll bring it home here. The 23rd game of last season, a loss to Duke on the first Saturday in February. Whoa. They lost Saturday to Duke, and they rattled off last year 13 of 15 games, including the double-digit win to close out the regular season, Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. So some eerie stats, and just to our point on on research there, uh, pretty wild the stuff they can come up with. That is um, – it reads like when you were reading it like – like North Carolina is like okay, so we know what worked last year. <laughs> right, let's we do have that. To do exactly the same thing. <laughs> all right, it's, it's like the script, right? Like there's all these uh, the video going around, you know, with Arian Foster saying the whole league is yeah, script and all exactly, the jokes yes, that have come yes. out of it. Like that's exactly yeah. uh, how that reads. I do want to talk a little bit later, Luke, about your impressions of Duke and Carolina after Coach K and Roy. Like this was our first edition of the next generation of this rivalry and kind of what you thought yeah. uh, about it and not just the game itself but everyone's uh attention paid to it you know after last year i knew there would be a little bit of a step down there had to be uh, after you know a year in which they played in the freaking final four finally <laughs> right. uh between them and, and everything that went down in, in kind of the historic nature of those games last year but i want to talk about that uh, a little bit yeah we'll and talk about it was really but, cool to be a part of those games with joel and, and booze um, but yeah, we, we got to get into that a little bit, um, atmosphere and everything and, and the, who was there and how the game went. It was, it was action packed and it was a great game. I, I wanted to ask, uh, before we get off the, the Jordan thing real quick, Yeah, <clears throat> you a Jordan guy and do you have any favorites? And then last point, I put it up on, on Twitter and I put it up on Instagram and I will say the overwhelming comment was man Louisville would look good as a Jordan brand right there. How do we get this thing done? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did never was. 
Never hated Jordan, so I'm not anti-Jordan at all. I just was never like a big Jordan guy because you know why? Because I was a fat kid. And so <laughs> That's not a requirement, Mark. No, well, I could never emulate him. I always liked post players in like the old school way. You know, I could just never pretend to be Jordan. It wouldn't even be it would be ridiculous. So I always liked Shaq. That's like when I was growing up, like that was my I loved Shaq growing up. And I wish I could have played that way. Yeah, I, I will say I used to try and terrorize the logo games we had back in the driveway and try yes. try and be Shaquille O'Neal, but Absolutely. Yeah. I remember we had a we had a basketball goal in the front yard and my brother and I used to play what uh, whatever we didn't have a name but we would just basically try to dunk on each other we lower the rim and try to dunk, dunk on each other and my brother's even bigger than me and once we uh full speed i you know almost like jousting you know i'm running right at him and uh jumped to dunk and he jumped to block it and we just slammed our kneecaps together and mm-hmm. i i thought i broke my leg that was the end like, of that huh we never did it again <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I had a plenty of those driveway battles. Absolutely, even even uh, into college, I remember battling out with Van Trees at my brother's house in Florida one time, and it it didn't end in a fist fight or anything, but it was intense. Uh, so it never stops. But I, I will say, I chose the right colorways with my Jordans because you know mostly black and red. Uh, Louisville fans loved them. I know that conversation kind of pops up every once in a while. Adidas, Jordan, Nike, doesn't matter, but uh, people were loving the Jordan brand shoes. I will say that. Do want to quickly uh, note, I didn't plan necessarily on having uh, a long discussion about this or even a discussion about it at all, but you know, until it gets done, we're going to continue to hear uh, comments and that sort of thing uh, about it. But Jeremy Fowler with ESPN reporting that the Ravens and Lamar could possibly be as much as $100 million apart in talks over how much guaranteed money should be in his new contract. That is, again, according to to Jeremy Fowler from earlier today. And Andrew Brandt, who was worked, I think, what, in the Green Bay organization, I think, for a while and uh, was an agent, uh, had said almost immediately, he's like, of course they're not they're negotiating $100 million apart. They can just tag him. They don't even have to try that hard. But I more than anything else, I think I hate – the fact that the Ravens are dug in like this, it just doesn't, it seems like they're trying to do the absolute minimum instead of showing how much they value the guy. That's it. They, I mean, Deshaun Watson, I'm going back to it. He's just messed things up for everybody with that absurd contract. And if you're negotiating, if you're Lamar, it's very easy for you to say, look at all the stuff this guy is a part of. They still guarantee every penny of his massive deal. I want that. And so, man, I'm with you. I told you about my nightmare last last week. I keep having this terrible dream that they sign and trade Lamar Jackson and they draft Will Levis in the first round. It's keeping me up all night. And now, like, it, it just seems like you never hear when they're this far apart. These are like the first rumblings that are coming out. I can't imagine this is all. We're going to find some drama, even though Lamar's very quiet with a lot of what he does. We're going to find some drama here. And once this starts... When there's smoke, there's fire, and it never seems to come to a positive resolution. I can't imagine one where Lamar is happy and playing for the Ravens. But at the same time, you know his mentality, right? He's not a guy who's going to sit out if he's got a little tweak. He's a competitor. I know he had the injuries late, but most of the reports that I heard were from the the training room and inside their, their facilities, Lamar was really, really hurt. I, I was thinking there would be a heroic comeback for the last game too, but... It didn't seem to even be possible. He seems like a guy who loves football, wants to prove his worth. I mean, I don't know if I'd have played at all this season if I was him. 
So I can't imagine if you if you try and sign him and eventually do a sign and trade or he has to suit up for the Ravens that he's not going to give everything. But long term, it's pretty obvious that this marriage is not going to work forever. I mean, I can't imagine. Do you see him in a Ravens uniform in it, like percentage chance next year? Uh, I've never been more skeptical that he will stay there. Like I've really wondered how the Ravens could go forward. And I think it's one of the points uh, that I think Tyler has made uh, at times because he's you know is a Ravens fan on top of everything else. Uh, that how do you go to the rest of your locker room and tell them we're not going to pay Lamar and and maintain morale because they know what it's like when he's not there and wonder and have and not have players wonder like what are they going to do when it's time to pay me so i've i've really been skeptical up to this point that they're going to pay lamar at all or that excuse me the opposite that they would have the nerve to not pay him just because of the fallout from it but it certainly seems like they're digging in for it man yeah you think they think about the not pay me thing i mean to me you see the success so many of these teams are having with rookie contract quarterbacks if the Ravens are not prioritizing quarterback to just make him, and I don't even know what the number would be, but obviously $100 million apart is a long way. If they're not willing to pay him, it does seem like they're putting resources elsewhere and going to try and potentially sign uh, a rookie and battle it out with him as long as they need to. No? I mean, it seems like that's what a lot of teams think that they're is like the best way to go about things. Is it fool's gold? Um, these guys having this quick success I mean it, it does make sense like Joe Burrow Jamar Chase T Higgins like all of those guys they, they can't coexist a, a high power offense like that forever with Joe Burrow gonna sign a massive massive deal right yeah no that's true I just I, I would think that while I understand the thought process of wanting to um Make the most of your quarterback when he's cheap, and then it's a lot more difficult to maintain the the run after that. Uh, the, the Chiefs are a great example. You can just keep going. You yeah. can get a little cheaper in other places, and you can absolutely keep going if you if you think your quarterback's the guy. Uh, I just would never want to get out like on the just the open waters of. We'll just find someone else. Like once you've got somebody, especially somebody who's like literally a unanimous MVP of the league. Why you would, in the name of saving a, a couple of dollars, you want to just wait out there and be the Jets? Yeah. Where, where you're just like funneling through quarterbacks who are terrible over and over, or, or the Browns, you know, up until now. Like, do you want to do that? You're just, you're begging for trouble if you do that. Yeah, I think people are more looking at what did the Texans do? Like, how are they trying to reload? Where are they going to spend their money coming up? Uh, you know, I, I don't know how the rebuilds like are most successful because it seems to happen different ways each time. Are you going to go, you know, put a ton of money into your coach? Are you going to put a ton of money into your quarterback? Are you going to put it everywhere else? It seems like the uh, the the Ravens are ready to put money everywhere else but a quarterback. Somebody sent in a a text and they said they are lowballing. Lam- Wait, well, hold on, that's not the right one. <laughs> it is the Browns did something stupid. The rest of the league isn't going to be held hostage by the Browns' stupidity. And I responded to that. I said, it, it looks like the Ravens situation is is exactly what you said. It's not going to happen, right? Like, I could imagine Lamar is, like I said at the beginning of the show, sitting there and looking at the situation saying, if he got that massive contract, fully guaranteed every penny of it, I deserve the same, if not more. I mean, 
like spot the lie, right? Yeah. No, listen, I don't, I don't disagree with you uh, one bit uh, there. Look, we got a ton uh, that we're going to get into here throughout the show. I just wanted to quickly mention that because it was uh, a recent headline there. Andrew Brandt in particular saying they don't have to negotiate because they know they can just tag him no matter what. Uh, Louisville basketball, men's basketball over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about the women uh, as well getting a much-needed win, and I think it, it particularly winning a, a certain way uh, that I think Jeff will, will tell you is – incredibly encouraging i think for him uh in a good example of sort of ripping your team and getting the react the right reaction from them uh jeff walls got uh, getting there i guess i like i'm not a moral victories guy at all but i'm not gonna dump on every aspect of saturday's uh, loss against florida state either there were things that have plagued them all year they were there in the florida state game they've done sort of the same uh dig themselves a hole, uh, space cadets at, at times. But I I still left that game not, not mad and not mad because I'm apathetic now. To, I can't quite, even now as we're on the air, totally put my finger on what feels different about it, but it did. Did you feel any different about this one than maybe some of the other losses earlier in the year? Oh, definitely some of the losses. You know, n- not having the fight back, they, those guys haven't gotten up the, up off the mat every time. Now, last game, getting a win, that, that's great stuff. Being down 17 in this game and being able, to, more than anything, just to mentally switch your focus and take advantage of a team that was playing not to lose. But you just don't want to put yourself in those situations, right? Like, the turnovers, only 11. Now, the turnovers were bad turnovers, Live ball stuff that led to runouts and easy baskets yeah. for Florida State, but you can live with eleven. I mean, you can live with eleven turnovers. So, I, I really feel like you, they did take big jumps, but I mean, at this point in the season, kind of shifting the narrative is is tough, man. It's it's really tough. I, I'm I'm glad to see these guys are fighting. I'm glad to see at least from where I was sitting on the desk, the Yum Center looked like it was rocking. And I think you're seeing a few guys gaining a lot of confidence, like a Jalen, I mean, a, a JJ trainer. Jalen Withers has played really well, too, efficient as well, knocking down shots, playing with confidence. But guys like JJ trainer, we, I've been waiting for this guy to show what he's about because he's so long, so athletic. He can impact the game in so many ways. I mean, you get a tiny bit better game from Mike James. You know, one pass connects that doesn't lead to a layup on the other end, and you, you could win that game. Yeah, oh, it goes without saying, so you don't need to remind us. Uh, do I want them to fall behind by 17? Of course not. Would I love for them to just play a game where they didn't fall behind by 17? Of course I would. I, I don't think I need to insult any of you by saying all of those disclaimers. Of course I want that. Uh, what I think felt different about this one, I heard Paul uh, on this morning with Diener and, and with Blank and Baker this morning, that Florida State, it seemed – they kind of shot the ball a lot better than they have a lot this year. And that a lot of their threes, Florida State's threes, weren't uh, totally the result of like bad defense by Louisville or slow rotation. We've seen that. And I didn't feel like you necessarily got that. And in particular, I felt like Florida State just made a bunch of threes that, that really would have been like, <sighs> like they were they were good defense, better offense threes. Yes, and, and especially demoralizing when Louisville would, would – make little cuts into this lead 
and then Florida State would hit another three. And I think at many, many, many times throughout the year, they would have gone in the tank at like the second one of those or the third one of those. And even when Florida State ran that lead all the way up to what, as large as 17, I didn't think it was because Louisville was loafing. And I thought Louisville stayed dialed in even as Florida State was running up that lead a little bit. And, you know, not every lead, not every run is the result of Louisville just sort of spacing out. Sometimes the other team is, is kind of responsible for it too. I didn't feel like there was a long stretch in this game at all where Louisville just checked out and then all of a sudden sort of got serious like, oh, this assignment's due tomorrow. i got to hurry up. Like, it didn't <laughs> feel like that. And, and I do feel like I saw like some signs of, of mental progress. Not uh, not as much sulking. And can I s- just celebrate something? It, it, you know, yes, it's late. All the disclaimers. I'm not doing disclaimers today. I'm just going to say them. L. Ellis, more energetic, more expressive than I've seen him all year about a shot clock violation that they forced. That yeah. Louisville, you know, Louisville forces a shot clock violation. The place goes nuts, and he went nuts. And I was like, this, more of that. I need more of that. I hate that it's taken you know twenty plus games for us to sort of get there, but this game on Saturday, what I, I wish they would have won. Believe me, I wish they would have won. I'm sure they do too, of course. But it was a great example of exactly the thing Jeff Walls was talking about a couple of weeks ago, where he's he's crushing his own team for the sort of the lack of effort and that sort of thing, saying it doesn't matter to fans in that building if you win or lose if you are pouring it all out every game they will be there to the end they will support you and you mentioned the the place was electric for what it was and in props to every single one of you who have continued to go to games and who were there on saturday uh, you did your part and i think you were rewarded effort wise uh, at least but i was i was happy to see a different level of emotional energy from the guys who did play and played the bulk of the minutes in the game. It felt, maybe that's why it felt different. Yeah, and I also think – I thought that was well put, Mark. Uh, and you had somebody text in right there, said that the the showing for Trenton Flowers was great. You did have recruits in the building. Yeah. Uh, number five, small forward in the class, number 16 player in the nation, somebody that would uh, – it, it, I've told you this before. When you're looking at recruits and we were waiting around with Chris Mack or in other years, there's always been a guy who's kind of – put him over the top in terms of starting that snowball effect it's going to happen I don't expect it to happen before the end of the year or anything like that but you're going to see the 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 how rapidly that snowball effect happens when he can kind of change the just the the not the culture but the vibes over there how people are feeling about things he he's a great talker he's a great recruiter I expect that to happen but it it makes his job dramatically easier seeing the fight and the run and the crowd and the atmosphere when Louisville looks like that. Yeah, it would look. You're totally right. So it was a great. I wish they would have finished it. I'm glad Trenton Flowers. We'll talk about him uh, a little bit later. But I'm glad he was there for that one. Uh, but I I felt like you know the overall intensity and in particular on the defensive end it definitely picked up. Uh, you know when we get to the end of the year, look. That will probably be the place I think I'm most disappointed by year's end uh, is that they weren't more of a defensive stopping team 
than I thought. Like, I thought they would start there and have real issues. I think I remember Lloyd Gardner talking about going to a preseason practice. He's like, they're going to defend pretty well. I don't know how they're going to score, but I thought they're, they're going to defend. And then they, they really haven't been that at all. But when you see it in stretches, you realize, like, so much of that is is mental. And they just have so far to go. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the tough side is is you can tell they're beat down. And how you fight every day is just showing, you know, what Kenny Payne is trying to put into these guys. But you're 3-20. and 20. Like, how could you not be discouraged? How could you not be beat down? So, you know, the fight was there. Uh, it's going to be execution things on the defensive end. You mentioned they've been better, but you gave up 81 points. Yeah. And he's just not going to win that many games when you give up 81. So, like you said, hitting some tough shots. They shot eight for 23 from the three-point line. Louisville actually won there. They hit 10 threes. Louisville was great from the free throw line. You know, there are just some really small adjustments that need to happen for Louisville to win that game. I'm telling you, it's just one pass. It's one shot that goes in. 15 assists to the 11 turnovers. You know, you go back if you're Jalen Withers and you certainly look at his three uh you definitely look at everyone L. Ellis has done the entire season and say, hey, did we need that play? What's a better option? Do you just go, you know, the old Russ Smith, Peyton Sivas, where they started to dribble down and kind of just get all the way to the basket. Everybody expects them to shoot, and they keep that dribble alive and go set up another play. Uh, he's going to get better at those things, but it's got to be a film study, and they've been dramatically better. You're starting to see, I mean, somewhat of an identity being built, right? Like, they're going to be solid on the defensive end. They've got, they know they have to avoid their turnovers or they're going to get blown out. They've shot it okay. But what I like, you know, they out-rebound Florida State, which uh, we'd have to go back and check it out. I know Florida State's on a big-time uh, run in terms of uh, beating Louisville. But I would venture to say in every one of those games – what is it, seven games, Mark? That are left? No, 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 that Florida State's beating Louisville. Oh, I, I do believe that's right, yes. So in those seven games, I would venture to say none of them – are situations where Louisville out-rebounds Florida State. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a safe bet as they usually have some of the biggest teams in the entire country. But Louisville did it, and they did it the game before that, right, where they dominated inside against Georgia Tech in terms of rebound. I believe it was 14 that they out-rebounded them, and they've actually done that up until Boston College, and they only lost by two there. You know, Notre Dame, probably not going to hang your hat on out-rebounding Notre Dame, but still... That's three in a row, and again, the last time they were out-rebounded was Boston College, and only by two. So if you're going to be a great rebounding team, you're going to go get 10 offensive boards like they did against Florida State, you're going to have to muck games up a little bit. You're going to have to just hope that you make enough shots if you don't turn the basketball over. Okay, you're starting to figure out who this team is. It's not great just yet, but you improve on all those things just a little bit more. And where is Louisville? You know, How many more wins do they have this season? Yeah, don't you think if you had a magic wand, you know, by the end uh, of the year, we're going to look back on a team that will will look. I would imagine they'll probably s- steal one of these, you know, down the stretch at least, and ha- end up with with four wins or so, and feeling like it could have been anywhere from eight to maybe eleven if they just didn't turn the ball over so incredibly much, and then it infuriates you. Because in this Florida State game, they didn't do that at all. 11 turnovers, like you can win a lot of games just turning the ball over five times and a half, right? Oh, absolutely. Our goal was under 10 when we played. And we played a a much faster style than I think this group does. But you mentioned those last games. Man, uh, looks like eight games left for these guys. 
Pitt, who I would say I didn't see uh, where they were outside the top 25 today, but they have to be very, very close. You know, sweeping Carolina, beating Miami. Uh, they got a, a nice win against Clemson. You know, Pitt's obviously played great basketball. You got Pitt first. You got number 19, Miami. Number eight, Virginia. Clemson, who is still in first as of now, I believe, uh, in the ACC. Duke, boy, did Derek Lively and company come on in that UNC game. Yeah. Georgia Tech, who you would think, hey, there's a chance we can win there, but you're going to Georgia Tech. They'll obviously be fired up for that game. Versus Virginia Tech and then at Virginia to end the season. Of your eight games, your, your prospects are go win at Georgia Tech and nothing else is coming easy. Oh, everything else will be a substantial upset. Your your likelihood of winning, according to Luke, this is depressing. The, the percentage chance that Ken Palm gives Louisville to win, and I'm I'm in a good mood, uh, kind of uh, optimistic about. It. I hate reading this. Uh, is are you ready? Gosh, listen to these, Luke. Five percent, three percent, seven percent, fifteen percent, three percent, twenty three percent. That's Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. 12%, 2%. The combined chances to win Virginia is 9 out of 200. That's <laughs> not great. No, not great at all, although I did watch Virginia uh, lose uh, over the weekend to Virginia Tech you know, in a rivalry game. And Virginia Tech's been choppy uh, this yeah, year, but they haven't mailed it in either. 16-5 and five, uh, with Hunter Couture in the lineup and 0-4 uh, yeah. oh without. Uh, they're just a different team it's it's just like them at Boston College you know if you got to play Boston College in the first half or really we're getting so late in the season now first two-thirds here congratulations you won right Quentin Post is averaging like 24 and 9 his last six games or so been a complete difference maker he didn't play the first 15 games of the season so if you're if you won the lottery and and you got to play Boston College already congratulations because down the stretch that's going to be a much tougher team to beat um, and there's a few of those that, that they've had such poor starts to this season. It's like the guys you just absolutely cannot lose to. You know, Louisville's not in last. That's that's one good thing. Georgia Tech is sitting at the bottom at one and eleven. Louisville one and ten. Can't lose to Notre Dame two and nine. The metrics still love Virginia Tech, which as a whole, you know, Ken Palm, whatever really service you want to look at, the metrics really don't like the ACC. I saw something that said they were seventh, like putting the Big West in there. Absolutely crazy stuff, uh, but it, you just can't lose to some of these bottom teams, and, and that's why the league as a whole is falling. But when you think about, you know, everybody's saying the ACC is way down. I've seen projections that say eight teams get in. The league is still solid. You just can't lose to some of those bottom teams. And Louisville now, mindset just has to be, you know, I know this was poorly used that they were the bad news bears with uh, Haley, Haley Van Lith and Jeff Wallace crew, but you could certainly be the bad news bears down the stretch if you win games against anybody. Well, Georgia Tech's kind of in the same level, but anybody else, you are upsetting seasons right there, getting well, the, out of the bubble. The good news is when it comes to spite, if you beat a team, if you're Louisville, as rough as this season has gone, if you beat a team, you will uh, completely wreck shop. Like You will just blow a hole in that team's uh, hopes of making anything at all in the postseason but by also being as bad as they are even when you beat them it doesn't help you so like got that going for you that's like the it's only really rough, I can come up with. yeah it didn't a, even feel good to say it real rough year when you're uh getting beat by teams and they're still falling 
the other team, the team that won, is still falling in the net rankings. That's that's. By the way, it doesn't seem like Luke that anybody in the ACC really likes or comprehends how the net really is supposed to work, because NC State's uh, one they've won eight out of nine, and and it seems like almost every single game I hear uh, from state folks afterwards about how they either fell or didn't climb at all uh, in the net. uh, We got to figure out who involved in coming up with the net. Uh, has some sort of beef with the ACC because it seems like it's getting all of us. So I know we got to take a break here, but when we come back, I'm going to tell you my thoughts on kind of what they need to incorporate, kind of why it makes sense. Uh, you're right. Clemson doesn't like those those metrics. NC State doesn't like those metrics. Pittsburgh doesn't like those metrics. NC State's been playing great, though. Terquavion Smith starting to get a little love. I know they were 22nd in the poll, so getting ranked is a great yeah. thing, but you're right. As a whole, the ACC, I think they're madly disrespected. All right, I want to know where, where folks are after this one. So I want to uh, open up the phones when we come back. I want to hear, like, what do you think about uh, this one? And if you're, you know, fire the whole bunch, don't care, this uh, standards, you know, all that, I, fine. I want to hear it. I want to hear folks' reactions uh, to Florida State uh, over the weekend. Uh, sometimes, Luke, you and I have to get to, in there with a real, real fine-tooth comb to find the positives. I don't think this is one of those. Yeah, a little easier this time. So we'll do that. We'll take your calls, your texts here throughout – on the drive on the Vote. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition. And I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. Welcome back into the drive here on 93 on the bill. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock here. We are reacting to uh, this weekend's action here for both the men and uh, the women this weekend. We'll talk about the women uh, a little bit later on here, but they did notch a very, very big win uh, on Sunday. And the men almost notched a win on Sunday. Did some good things, did not so good things. Uh, would love to hear from folks about their thoughts uh, on this one and the season as a whole. Uh, with where we are here, we're two-thirds of the way through it, uh, or maybe even a little bit more. Uh, it's getting close to the end of this one here, uh, and I'm kind of curious what folks have to think about uh, this one. I have already said, I, for reasons that I can't totally articulate, which is a bad sign for me because I'm good at that, uh, I just left that game feeling better about things. And I'll tell you, look, it, it was like, a, con- like a, a combination of things. It wasn't any one thing that felt better but you know early in the year I did not think almost anyone was much of an offensive anything early in the season it was a real mess it really was Uh, and now I feel like going into most games I see 
L. Ellis, Mike James, and Jalen Withers shooting the ball confidently. All three of them. And I'm not saying that it always falls or anything by that, but I feel like if they get a reasonably decent shot, I think they'll make it. Like, I think they're offensively, they're starting to develop some pieces uh, a little bit. And I don't know how much of that is just uh, repetitions or if it's just familiarity or what have you. But like, I feel like offensively, it's it's a little more potent than certainly than it was, you know, early in the year when, when things were, were really, really ragged and, uh, and, and messy. The body language just feels better. And then Kamari lands a little. J.J. Trainer a little. Like, it's coming along. And if anything, Luke, I think I feel like the things that we're happy about, I wish they would have happened six, eight weeks ago. But they are happening, and I don't want to just say they're not happening at all. Well, let me let me ask you this, and I think this will kind of summarize things. Like, you got to feel more confident that Louisville's going to go out there and compete and make it a close game now than you did a month ago or six weeks ago. Yep. Right? Like, I, I'm gaining a lot more confidence that they're going to be able to go out there and compete. And I think the numbers show that as well. Again, you know, 11 turnovers, you can win games with 11 turnovers, especially against a Florida State team that's so good at using their size and length to get those deflections and try and get out and transition. You know, 11 is fine. The bad thing is your points off turnovers, Florida State had 19 and Louisville had five. And your fast break points, Florida State had 14 and Louisville had two. So you're not creating the easy opportunities. You're just giving up a few too many. And again, I would go back and just focus on those turnovers. Which ones can you live without? Sometimes turnovers happen. Great defense. You know, you thought the play was there and a pass gets tipped okay. You know, there, there wasn't the step on the sideline. There wasn't the – still a couple bad ones, but not, not the way it's been. So I'm with you. I'm gaining a lot of confidence just that they're going to go out there and compete, maybe not win games. But all that said is – have you seen improvement to feel the way you do now? I think the obvious answer is yes. Yeah, I think there's been a little bit of improvement. I do. Yeah, individually, there's still so many things that I'd like to see different. Uh, and I, I thought Jay Williams was – I know that he probably – You'll have to fill everybody in here, Mark, because I, I was on the desk and we had five different games going, so I couldn't see any of this. I've just yeah. heard rumblings. I didn't get to listen to a whole lot of radio today. So you have to fill everybody in on – uh, I thought whatever you think about how things are going with Kenny Payne, Jay Williams had something for you. You know, he was uh, he did not he did not hesitate at all. You know, to be supportive of Kenny, and we'll talk about that and and Leonard Hamilton after the game too. Uh, but he you know, of of his stating his belief that Kenny would get it turned around, all that sort of thing. But throughout the first half, when he saw stuff he didn't like. Or he didn't understand. He did not hesitate to to call it out. You got to go. You got to you got to crash a lot harder than that. You can't let that guy just box you. like a lot of stuff like that. And I, I think he's man. I know that they love him on the radio and they love him in studios. But like as a color guy, he, I thought he was excellent uh, about the basketball in particular. Just what what he'd want to see different or why. Yeah, we might have lost some uh, Mark there. We might need to reset him real quick, but. I totally agree, and I think that's one reason why I love having some former players. Now, it doesn't, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to develop like your voice and being able to put what you see into words so everybody can, can really get with it the way you're talking about, Mark. But 
you're right. And he's seen winning basketball at the highest level in the ACC and in the NCAA tournament. So he is a guy where you say, you know, that's not a winning play there. What I would want to see is X, Y, and Z. And also, he, he did play for one of the greatest coaches ever, at least college coaches of all time, in Mike Krzyzewski. And, and Boozer talks about Jay Will all the time that nobody wanted it more than him. As a competitor, he was up there with some of the guys, even in the NBA, the Kobe's that he played with in terms of, of his competitiveness. So I love it when they can open up a little bit and give you kind of the, the inside stuff and show, hey, you know, good things – you call it like you see it. That's the best advice I've gotten, especially from Lafonso Ellis. Like, obviously, he's a Notre Dame guy, but he roots on everybody. I think that's the best part of our job. But when you're the play-by-play guy, you can be a little more critical there. We got Mark back, right? No, Mark just told me he lost power totally. So lost power at his house. I guess so. So I guess it's okay. just me and you, Luke. We're gonna sit here and chop it up and and talk Louisville basketball then. So a uh, little bit of a, a curveball there, but I want to hear from callers today. And now I need to hear from callers because I didn't prep the whole show uh, by myself. I had half of this going through uh, Mr. Mark Ennis. But we'll read a couple text messages. We'll get into quite a few things today. Mark and I were going back and forth. We'll take a little – me and you will chop it up here. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, reset a few things, and then we are going to hit Louisville basketball, some storylines. Did you see Carol Olson? And Duke basketball. Oh yeah, we Dave and Mark talked briefly about that Friday. The whole they use the men's balls right during a game. So if you have not heard about this, the Duke women's basketball coach Kara Lawson, who you know I, I get interaction with everybody who who does the women's game as well, and she's developing a little bit of a reputation. And I say that because so is somebody on the men's side. I know everybody's kind of seen Jim Beheim going after a student reporter, and I think it gets a little blown out of proportion, but. Those reputations and how you deal with media, they can kind of hurt you. I want to talk both of those things, especially from the hoopers out there. If you haven't seen this Carol Lawson deal, I've been in high school gyms forever where you know the women's team is finishing and the men's team's coming on, and their basketballs are like mixed up a little bit. And you literally pick it up, you look at it for one second, you throw it to the to the left basket or the right basket, right men's and women's balls. And they're very easy to see the difference. There, it's women's ball is so much lighter, so it's so, it's so much smaller, lighter. It's like out. a, you know, I I keep saying it's like a tennis ball in my hands, and I get it. Not everybody is going to have, you know, a, a huge hand grip on the on the women's basketballs, but I just don't understand how they would not have noticed the players on the court and said, "Hey, this isn't even the right basketball." Yeah, it's, something's fishy out there because it was after the fact that she brought this attention up. It's like right. were the players or the refs that were handling it, and did Florida State ever? It was I believe it was Florida State, right? Did they ever issue any statement one way or another? The league did. So she, we're, we're going to get into this right after this. But the league did their own investigation. Carol Lawson says she did hers. Whole lot of drama going on there. A couple storylines around the ACC, and we're going to get in more on the Louisville Florida State game. Kind of looking forward, what's next? A great run by the cards, just falling a little bit short, 81-78 to Florida State. We'll be right back on the drive. 